Dear Father in Heaven, thank you for an opportunity for us to fellowship with you once again. Lord, please be with us in the person of your Holy Spirit. Once more, I pray that you bless everyone, that as we listen, our hearts may be lifted up to heavenly places, and that our lives may be transformed, once more made better, once more made conformed to the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Put your words in my mouth, dear Lord. Please grant me of your spirit for the sake of your children who are listening, that we all may be blessed by all the things we will hear. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, June 7. A Sure Outcome. Then said David to the Philistine, I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. Goliath railed upon David and cursed him by his gods. He felt that it was an insult upon his dignity to have a mere stripling, without so much as an armor, come to meet him. David did not become irritated because he was looked upon as so inferior. Neither did he tremble at his terrible threats, but replied, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This speech, given in a clear musical voice, rang out on the air, and was distinctly heard by the listening thousands marshalled for war. The anger of Goliath was roused to the very highest heat. In his rage, he pushed up the helmet that protected his forehead and rushed forward to wreak vengeance upon his opponent. The son of Jesse was preparing for his foe, and it came to pass, when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slung it, and smote the Philistine in the forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. Amazement spread along the lines of the two armies. They had been confident that David would be slain. But when the stone went whizzing through the air, straight to the mark, they saw the mighty warrior tremble and reached forth his hands as if he were struck with sudden blindness. The giant reeled and staggered and like a smitten oak fell to the ground. David did not wait an instant. He sprang upon the prostrate form of the Philistine and with both hands laid hold of Goliath's heavy sword. 
A moment before, the giant had boasted that with it, he would sever the youth's head from his shoulders and give his body to the fowls of the air. Now it was lifted in the air and then the head of the boaster rolled from his trunk and a shout of exultation went up from the camp of Israel. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is A Sure Outcome. And we just want to draw lessons again from the story of David and Goliath. We know that David eventually used one stone to slay Goliath. The words that he spoke to Goliath and the words that Goliath spoke to him, of course, there are lessons to learn from there, especially from David's words. In 1 Samuel 17 verse 43, it says, And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, and to the birds, the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know, that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. You can imagine that these words would have enraged Goliath. I mean, Goliath has been making a lot of noise. And here is this young boy whose mouth is running, talking even more than him and telling him that he's going to cut off his head and give his own body to the beast. The same thing that Goliath said to him, he said back to Goliath. Goliath said to him, you are going, I'm going to give your body to the fowls of the air to eat. And David said, I'm going to cut your head off and I will give you to the beast to eat up. But in David's words, there was a difference. David said in verse 46, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. But Goliath's words were not about the Lord. And if you recall, Saul, whenever he was going to battle, doesn't say it's the Lord's battle. He says Saul's enemies. David does not say this is Goliath's, um, this is David's enemy. He calls it the Lord's enemy. He sees it as the Lord's battle. And he said what he said with confidence. His boasting was in the Lord. And that was what we learned. David's boasting was in the Lord. Goliath's boasting was in his armor and in his strength. But David made it clear. I'm not boasting because I have strength. I'm not saying what I'm saying because I have weapons of war. I'm saying it because I want you to know that there is a God in Israel. Wonderful lesson that we can learn from here. Contrast the boasting of David with the boasting of Goliath. Boasting in the Lord versus boasting in human capabilities and which do you think will come out victorious certainly it is boasting in the lord david made his boasting in the lord and he said that his reason was not for his own glory but he said that you may know that there is a god in israel that was his reason he says and for the battle is the lord those are very important statements first one 
he said, This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. Secondly, he said, This assembly shall know that the Lord saveth, not with sword and spear. That's the second important statement. The third important statement is, The battle is the Lord's. Brethren and sisters, self-confidence versus self-abnegation and self-distrust. Self-distrust, like I've always said, does not necessarily mean that you walk around timid. It just simply means that your confidence is in God. Look at David. Was he bold? Yes, he was. Was he confident? Yes, he was. Was he boasting? Yes, he was actually boasting. But all of this, his confidence, where was it? In the Lord. What about his strength? In the Lord. And how about his boasting? It was in the Lord. And the Lord came off victorious after this battle. It says in verse 50, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Shearim and unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines and they spoiled their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. The major lesson that God would want us to learn from here is the lesson of simple faith in God, especially the faith needed for the one purpose for which we have been brought into the probationary time that we are living now, the faith needed to get the victory over sin. How was it that David was able to get the victory over Goliath, which would represent that sin which doth so easily beset us? In our journey to our heavenly kingdom, there is usually a lot of sin in our lives. But then, there are some sins that stand out above all others. It is like the Goliath sin of our lives. Many of us have had to struggle with bad habits and struggle with peculiar sins that have a strange hold upon us. That whenever that temptation comes, we are easily given in to it. In Hebrews 12, reading from verse 1 and 2, that sin is described as the sin which doth so easily beset us. That is like our Goliath. But the Lord would have us understand that the same way David was able to get a victory over Goliath, that is the same way we can get victory over the Goliath sin in our lives. Hebrews 11 verse 32 to 34 tells us how David got the victory and you should listen attentively to hear how because that's how he would also get the victory it says and what shall I more say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions quenched the violence of fire escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness were made strong waxed valiant in fight turned to flight the armies of the aliens amen what do we see here true faith that is verse 33 
how was David able to conquer? It says here in everything described here, almost everything we can attribute it to David from verse 33 and 34. David was able through faith to subdue kingdoms. He wrought righteousness. He obtained promises. He stopped the mouth of a lion and a bear in the past and also he quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword of Goliath. Also out of weakness David was made strong and he waxed valiant in fight and turned to fly the armies of the Philistines. How did David do it? Through faith. 1 John 5 verse 4 tells us, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. David overcame Goliath by faith, and every saint who has ever lived and will make it to the kingdom of God all of them would experience their victory only through faith because the bible tells us in habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 the just shall live by his faith he is just because he lives by faith it is not that he is righteous and then begins to live by faith but it is the righteousness that walks by faith we are made righteous through faith we get the victory over sin through faith. You see that faith is a very important thing. Even the book of Ephesians 6, when Paul was listing out the armor of a Christian, when he got to faith, he said, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. That's Ephesians 6 verse 16. Above all is what he said. He listed the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the uh, feet shut about with the gospel, the belt of truth, and then talked about praying always with all prayer and supplication. But in the case of faith, he had to say, above all, taking the shield of faith. It is no mistake that Paul said, above all, taking the shield of faith. Because even John himself said, that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Jesus said, if you have faith as little as a mustard seed, you will be able to say to this mountain, be thou removed and it shall be removed. And then we hear from the spirit of prophecy telling us in the book, Review and Herald, October 18, 1898, paragraph 7, it says, The scripture declares, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The knowledge of what the scripture means when urging upon us the necessity of cultivating faith is more essential than any other knowledge that can be acquired. Let that sink in. What other knowledge can be acquired? Skills of all kinds, nanotechnology, programming, the arts and the history, and all other knowledge that comes from calculus and mathematics and the knowledge of languages here it says the knowledge of what the scripture means when urging upon us the necessity of cultivating faith is more essential than any other knowledge that can be acquired think of any other knowledge that can be acquired the knowledge of faith do you have it that is something more essential more necessary than that knowledge that you have we suffer much trouble and grief because of our unbelief and our ignorance of how to exercise faith. We must break through the clouds of unbelief. We cannot have a healthy experience. We cannot obey the gospel unto salvation 
until the science of faith is better understood and until more faith is exercised, there can be no perfection of Christian character without that faith that works by love and purifies the soul. End of quote. It is through this faith that worked by love and purified the soul that David was able to conquer Goliath. And that's why we're talking about faith now. In David's case, we will see how he exercised faith when we first of all understand what faith is. So what is faith? Many will go to Hebrews 11 verse 1 and say faith is the substance of things for hope for the evidence of things not seen. But let us go deep into the word of God and see how to exercise faith. Because what we read just now said that we suffer much trouble and unbelief because of our ignorance of how to exercise faith. So we want to talk about how to exercise faith. Before we go into that, let us have the basis in the word of God in Romans chapter 10 verse 17 that says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What does that imply? Based on our studies in the past, we have seen that when there is no word of God and somebody is believing in something that that thing is going to happen or that if they do this, this is what they will get when God has not said so, they can believe all they want. That will be presumption. Saul was presumptuous that and believed that if he took the sheep to sacrifice as oxen, when the Lord didn't tell him that, especially when the Lord told him something completely different from that, which was to slay the uh, oxen and everything that the Amalekites owned, Saul presumed and believed in his heart, oh, if I take this sheep, the Lord will be pleased with me. Whereas the Lord was not pleased with him. He didn't have the word of God. That was not faith. That was presumption. Presumption does not have the word of God. Faith has the word of God. And that's what we want to look at based on that word of God. How can we exercise faith? Let us look at some stories in the Bible to see an example of how so that we also can learn how to exercise faith. Remember that this knowledge of how to exercise faith is more essential than any other knowledge. And if you can just get it today, how you can exercise faith, your life will be so blessed and you will learn how to get the victory over sin. And what more, we read that there can be no perfection of Christian character without that faith that works by love and purifies the soul. So what are we here for? What is this probationary time for? Perfection of character. That is what it is for. The only way we can get it is through faith. Now, if I am living in this life and I have just one purpose, God created me so that I can be in his image and likeness. And now I am learning that the only way for me to achieve that is faith. What then am I doing? going to study other things when I have not learned the one thing that can help me achieve my main purpose in life. We all of human, we all in humanity, every single human being has one purpose. We may have different ways in which the, the, the Lord directs us in life and we have different works we will do and skills. That's, that was, that's just different. But we have just one purpose. In the beginning, God created us. Genesis 1 verse 26, God said, let us make man in our own image and after our likeness, that is your purpose. God had a purpose in mind that you will be in his likeness. And what is his likeness? Perfection of character. And how can we get it? We have just seen now that it is only through faith that we can get perfection of character, which is to take away all the sin in our life. So far, we have also seen 
that faith only comes by the word of God. Without God's word, there is no faith. Now, what we want to go into is how to exercise it. First story, Matthew chapter 14, I'll be reading from verse 25 to 31. It says, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway, Jesus said, Speak unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter came down, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Let us now look at what happened here with Peter. How did Peter exercise faith? Did Peter jump into that water just because he saw Jesus walking on water? No, Peter exercised faith. He knew how. And how was it? He waited for the word of God so that he could exercise faith on that word. Until Jesus said, come, Peter did not go. When he said to Jesus, tell me, come, if it is you, tell me to come. What was he waiting for? He was waiting for the word so that he can exercise faith on that word. And as Jesus said, come, Peter, exercise faith. What does it mean now that he exercised faith? He believed that that word, come, will strengthen him. That there is power in God's word. That as far as God has said, come, if he believes and goes on that water, he will walk on it. And did he walk on it? He did walk on water. If Peter had jumped into that water when Jesus did not say, come, that would have been the doppelganger of faith, the evil twin of faith, presumption, he would have sunk into that sea. But while walking on the water, he had the word of God. But unbelief came in and what happened? He started to sink. And Jesus had to ask him, wherefore did thou doubt? When we have the word of God, that's the lesson. We can exercise faith, believe that God's word will come to pass when you fulfill the condition. Peter did not just relax and say, oh, I can walk on water. Now I know I can walk on water since Jesus said, come. He had to do something. He, he, he gave the work. There's a work that follows faith with James talks about that faith that works is dead. Peter exercised faith by walk, jumping out of that boat and actually walking. He did something. So you see that faith and works go together. Let us go to another story in the book of Romans 4 talking about Abraham. This is a very, very important part of exercising faith and how to gain a victory over sin. Romans 4, reading from verse 13 downward, says, For the promise that he, that's Abraham, should be the heir of the world, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Verse 16, Therefore, it is of faith, that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. So let's hold on. There was something spoken to Abraham where he was told that his seed will be as the multitude of the stars and will also be as the sand in the sand in the seashore. So Abraham exercised faith in that word, and what did he do? Verse 19. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through 
unbelief but was strong in faith giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness amen let us learn lessons here on how to exercise faith so the word of god was spoken to abraham abraham did not see in himself or in his wife any way any strength in which that action or what the word of god said would happen and what was it that they were going to give birth to a child sarah was 90 he was 100 sarah's womb was dead abraham himself the bible says here in romans chapter 4 verse 19 that he was not weak in faith and he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old neither yet the deadness of sarah's womb how can we exercise faith one thing we are learning now from abraham's case is it does not depend on your own personal ability If the Lord has said something, look not on the deadness of your womb or the deadness of your flesh or the deadness of your character. All you need to do is exercise faith in God's word. This is when faith is really shown in its full strength when we are weak. Abraham in himself had no strength to give birth to that child, neither did Sarah. But because the word of God had spoken, he had to perform an act. And what was the act? He showed his faith by sleeping with his wife, Sarah, believing that something would happen, even though he could not see in himself how it would happen. And what was it he believed? In verse 20, says, he staggered not at the promise of God. What do we learn? Do not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. We should be strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now the next line is important. Verse 21 says, and being fully, not half, fully not three-quarter fully persuaded that what he god had promised god was able to perform that is that is where faith begins in your mind you must believe that whatever god has promised god can do now having believed that you will then go ahead to do yourself the thing that he asked you to do believing that what he promised he will do but that your act is not what is going to bring about the result but it is God's word that's going to bring about the result. It was not the act of lying down to sleep with Sarah that brought about the child. But yet that act needed to be done because that was the act of faith. So what was it that brought about Isaac? That's why he's called a child of promise. He was a child of faith, not of works. That child came through the word of God. It was only by God's word that Sarah became pregnant for Abraham's child, Isaac not by Abraham's strength or by her own ability, her own ability to give birth to a child. So for us, you may be dead in sin and trespasses. You may have long indulged in a bad habit and you've seen that this habit is your Goliath, very difficult to overcome. Do not consider the deadness of your flesh. Do not consider how weak you are exercise faith when you read the word of god because you cannot just exercise faith you must have the word of god has god's word promised to us that we can overcome even when we are weak and dead in trespasses and sins oh yes he has promised us that in the book of titus chapter 3 reading from verse 3 says for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish disobedient deceived serving divers lusts and pleasures living in malice and envy hateful and hating one another but after that the kindness and love of god of our savior of god our savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing 
of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs to the hope of eternal life. Also in the book of Ephesians 2 verse 1, we, ask, we read, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirits that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And it says in verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. So it is true faith that we who are dead in trespasses and sins can be resurrected into newness of life. The Lord has promised it to us. How was David able to overcome? David believed that what God said God was able to perform. David knew that once you fulfill the conditions that you are able to claim the promise because there's always a condition before you can claim the promise let us look at another story that tells us how to exercise faith two more stories firstly the centurion in matthew chapter 8 reading from verse 5 it says and when jesus entered into capernaum there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying lord my servant light at home sick of the palsy grievously tormented and jesus said unto him i will come and heal him the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And in verse 13, Jesus said unto him, As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. What do we learn from the story of the centurion? The centurion also, you could see, waited for the word of God. He said to Jesus, You don't need to come to my house. Jesus had to go to the Darius' house to resurrect his daughter. Jesus had to go to the tomb to resurrect Lazarus. But this man said to Jesus, you don't need to come to my house. I know that from where you are, location is not a problem. All I need is just to hear your word, say it, and I know it will come to pass. And that is what faith is, to believe the word of God, to be fully persuaded that what the word of God says, the word of God will actually bring to pass. That is what faith is. And that was what the centurion did and Jesus called it great faith. Do you see that the word of God is essential to us having faith? If you don't have the word of God, you cannot exercise faith. And even when you have the word of God, if you don't believe it, like Abraham was fully persuaded that what God said was able was going to come to pass. If you are not fully persuaded in the word of God, you cannot exercise faith. Because until you are fully persuaded, then you will give the works that that faith corresponds to. 
An example here is in John 9 concerning the blind man. Reading from verse 1 it says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Verse 6 now says, When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. What do we learn from here? There was a work for the man to do. There was a work for Abraham to do. There was a work for David to do. There was a work for the centurion to do. And there was a work for Peter and any one of us who wants to exercise faith. There is something that we need to do. And the first work is believe. That is the first work. Be fully persuaded that what the Lord has said will come to pass. You must have faith in the word of God that it is powerful enough to do what he says. Isaiah chapter 55 reading from verse 10 and 11 says, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth, watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Do you believe God's word? Psalm chapter 33 verse 6 tells us, For by the word of the Lord's of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them, by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9 says, He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. How was the world created? Not by hands, but by the word of the Lord. That is how it was created, just by the spoken word. And what we just read now in Isaiah 55, God is comparing his words to the rain. That is the effect of the rain. That when the rain falls and waters the ground, we must see its effect. Now, what is that? It will make sure that the seed that is sown will bring forth and bud. Now that the rain must certainly have its effect. And God says, that's how my word is. Once I speak it, it must bring to pass that thing which I have said. But for us now, there is a twofold work to be done. There is a corporate cooperation. If God has spoken his, his word, it will only have effect on those that are fully persuaded, those that believe. And when you believe, it will be shown in your actions. Faith without works, faith without works is dead. What is the action that Abraham performed? He didn't just relax and say Sarah is going to get pregnant. He had to perform the act. What was it that the blind man did? He didn't say, oh, get me pure water, let me wash my eyes. Jesus told him specifically what to do. Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. He didn't go to Jordan. He didn't take any cup of water from anybody and say, water is water. No, he had to give diligent obedience. And that is why we read in the book of Hebrews 11 verse 6, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. What does that mean? That means fulfill the works of faith. Diligently do exactly what the word of God says, being fully persuaded that the result of doing that thing will be attributed to you. That is what faith is. What are the things that the Lord has told us? We have to believe in his word, in the victory over sin. He has told us in his word, thou shalt not steal. Be fully persuaded that the word of God will work in you. Because remember in Isaiah 55 verse 10 and 11, it is the word that does the work. In the case of the centurion, what was it that healed that man? It was the word. What was it that made Peter to walk on water? It was the spoken word. What was it that made the blind man to be healed? It was that same word. The word of God is powerful. We read in James, in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, For the word of God is quick and quick 
and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword do you know that the word of god is powerful and that is why jesus said as your faith is so be it unto you if you cannot exercise faith in god's word the goliath of sin in your life cannot go down david exercised faith he held on to the promises of god he didn't look at his himself and his weakness he didn't look at his lack of skill he didn't look at his lack of strength he came with the facility he had and with the best that he could at that time and believing in the promise of god that when you have fulfilled the condition of obedience which saul and his army did not fulfill when you have done that you can come to god and claim his promises saul could not claim god's promise because he was living in disobedience the armies of israel had joined saul in disobeying in the issue of the amalekites but if they had repented and confessed their sin they would have been eligible to go to that battle with goliath and conquer him but saul did not confess saul did not repent that's why he could not get the victory whereas david had himself in a relationship with god that was pure therefore he could exercise that faith that works by love and purifies the soul was david going presumptuously to fight goliath no the bible had said through moses god has spoken to them that if they diligently obey him deuteronomy 28 that one of them will put the hundred to flight and two will put a thousand to flight the lord had promised them that their enemies will come to them in one way and they will flee in seven ways it was on this word that David exercised faith to go and meet Goliath and told him, I'm not coming in my strength. You come with to me with all this armory that you have, but I am coming to you based on the word of God. That's what he said, in the name of the Lord. He came to, to, to Goliath on the word of God. Let us meet our sins that doth so easily beset us in the name of the word of God. Do not go believing that you have the strength. Some people trust their strength. They are self-confident. They believe, oh, I've never committed this sin before. It's not in my nature to do it. It's not about nature. You have to understand that it's about God's word. That which you think, oh, it's not in my nature to do this, you may fall for it someday. You must learn to live by faith. And what is the faith that gives us the victory when it comes to victory over sin? The Lord has promised to us in the book of Ezekiel 36 from verse 25 and downward that he will cause us to walk in his statutes and that he will take away our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh and he will give us a new spirit within us. In the book of Jeremiah 33, 31 reading from verse 33 we are told also that the lord will write his law in our heart and he's giving us the conditions that we must fulfill if we must get the victory the first condition is believing in god's word be fully persuaded do not look at the commandments of god as instructions directions rather look at them as the word of god powerful that you can exercise faith on it the lord said to you and he's saying to me whatever your besetment is it is contained in that ten commandment but the lord has said that you will not do it you need to believe have faith in that word is it adultery the lord says thou shall not commit adultery you have to exercise faith mix it with faith we are told in the book of hebrews chapter 4 that the reason why the israelites could not enter into canaan was that they did not mix the word of god with faith hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them but the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it we also hear the commandments of god as they heard we must mix it with faith do not hear it as something that you want to go and perform but hear it believing that that word that you are hearing has power in it to work in you to bring about the thing that the word is saying 
that is what faith is the characteristics of faith means that we must believe in god's word we must hear it first of all and also believe in it and act based on what you heard and we must understand that faith does not depend on that act that you are performing but on the person who spoke it it was because jesus said come that peter went if i say to peter come there's no way peter will walk on that sea it is only jesus word that has that power so we must have faith in god's word and not on our works it is not the work of lying down with sarah that brought about the child it is the word of god that did it so we should never depend on ourselves but on god's word second peter chapter 1 verse 3 tells us according as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that had called us unto glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature amen having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust amen do you know that you can escape the corruption that is in this world through lust god has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness and is giving us that privilege of being partakers of the divine nature it is left for us to be fully persuaded in the word of god and perform the acts of faith and when we say the act of faith in our daily life what is it do what god has asked you to do jesus said watch and pray lest you fall into temptation then do it do you know that it is not your watching and praying that is saving you it is that word you are just doing what he asks you to do when you have now done what he asked you to do you can have the confidence and say to the lord lord i have done what you said i should i should do please give me the victory be sure that you will get the victory jesus has said to us that if our right hand causes us to sin we should cut it off and our eyes and our legs too that is an act of faith to do what he said you should do which is whatever it is that is the source of your sin that thing may be good maybe in and of itself not either good or bad but if you see that there's something that is your weakness put it out from you having done that you are doing what the word of god says you are exercising faith on that word now you now you can pray to the lord and say lord i have done what you asked me to do now please do what you said you would do because it is not your act of watching and praying that's actually saving you it is god who is saving you but you are only performing the act of faith which showed that you have fulfilled the condition having fulfilled the condition god will then do his part to walk in you to will and to do of his good pleasure but if we do not give the works that correspond to our faith we cannot get the victory david did not relax and say goliath is going to be going to perish i believe it god's word has said it therefore he will perish there was a work to do and what is that go and fight and he went in faith to fight goliath and he fought and was victorious so also with us there is a work to do we must watch and what is watching study the word of god so that you can know the snares of satan so that you can be able to be quick to discern them when they come because if you are not discerning the temptations of satan how would you then pray haven't discerned it because you studied the holy spirit will bring it to your mind and you will discern temptation now after discerning it it is now for you to pray having prayed the lord will supply all the needful divine power in his angels and its strength he will supply to you so that you can resist the temptation that is how to exercise faith reading from gospel workers page 436 and 437 it says those who talk unbelief may have a little enthusiasm when the sky is bright and everything encouraging 
But when the battle goes hard, when we have to hope against hope and urge our petitions to the throne of grace through deep darkness, then the unbelieving ones will not talk of the good land of Canaan, but will make prominent the dangers to be encountered. They will dwell on the strong walls and the giants we shall meet when the language of faithful Caleb shall be heard. The land is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. Numbers 14 verse 7 and 8 Men of courage are now wanted. Men who will venture something for the truth's sake. Men who will be sober but not gloomy and despondent. Men who will watch unto prayer and whose prayers will be mingled with living, acting faith, active faith. We may be cheerful and even joyful. Even under temptation, our language may be that of faith and hope and courage. But no lightness, no trifling should be indulged in. No low witticism should escape our lips. For these things give Satan great advantage. And we are living in the solemn hour of judgment when we should afflict our souls, confess our errors, repent of our sins and pray for one another that we may be healed. Through constant watchfulness and prayer, we may grow in grace and perfect Christian characters. But prayer will be no task to the soul that loves God. It will be a pleasure, a source of strength. Our hearts will be stayed upon God. And we shall say by our daily life, Behold the Lamb which taketh away the sin of the world, John 1 verse 21. In view of what Jesus has done to redeem us from the power of Satan, how can we allow evil traits of character to gain their ascendancy, thus giving Satan cause to exalt and bring grief to him who died for us? The Lord is waiting to bestow rich blessing upon us if we will only comply with the conditions. Take note. We cannot glorify him while, cherish, while we cherish doubt. We must believe that he will do just what he has said he would do. Remember that we have a living Savior. If you do not feel light-hearted and joyous, do not dishonor God by talking of your feelings. Talk of the promises. Talk of Jesus' willingness to bless. And before you are aware of it, he, the clouds will lift. Light will come into the soul and you will find peace and rest in Jesus Cherish love. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Romans 12 verse 10. Form a habit of speaking words of cheerful hope and courage. Words of love and appreciation that will bind hearts together. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. 1 John 1 verse 7. End of quote. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us exercise faith. When you hear God's promises in his word, believe it. And then, do what it says you should do, believing in the word, that that word is what will save you and not your actions. And then, having done that, you will see that you will get the victory, just as David got the victory over Goliath. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, Give us victory, we pray, over the Goliath of sin in our lives. We ask, Lord, that you would teach us to exercise faith, how to do it. May we increase in faith, in believing and being fully persuaded that what you have promised you are also able to perform. For herein lies our lack of faith. We doubt whether you will do what you said you would do, and that's why we do not do our part. Lord, please forgive our unbelief and take us through experiences, O Lord, 
that will help us for our faith to be increased that we may get the victory over sin. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.